everybody, this is Charlie from Anthrax, and you are listening to Today's Food Doggle. This is Mark Metcalf, and you are listening to Today's Food Doggle with Bailey on Domain Cleveland Radio. You are listening to Today's Food Doggle with Bailey on Domain Cleveland Radio. Yes, Kato Kalen listens to this all the time. to a story crew stadium. Slipknot. Disturbed. Pantera. The original Misfits. Evanescent. Slim Biscuit. Judas Priest. Stain. Breaking Benjamin. A day to remember. Falling in reverse. Sleep Token. Rise Again. 311. Seether. Mud Van. Many more. May 16th through the 19th. Columbus, Ohio. Tickets on sale now at SonicTempleFestival.com. What's going on, everybody? It's Bill Bailey with today's boondoggle. And a uh, real quick ho- housekeeping note, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube or Rumble or BitChute or Odyssey, please hit that follow and subscribe button. If you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, whatever podcast platform you utilize, please hit that follow and subscribe button so we can continue to bring you conversations like the one I'm bringing you today. I have the pleasure of talking with uh, Nigel from the band Saxon. How are you doing, Nigel? Good, man. Great. Glad to be on, you know? Great. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have you. I believe I've uh, had you guys on in the past during one of the um, uh, music festivals uh, a few years back. Maybe it was like Rock on the Range or something. Uh, right. Me and my buddy uh, Dominic came on the bus and talked with you guys. But uh, yeah. that was uh, way before uh, what we were talking about before we went on the air, you know, in the <laughs> world shut down and you you decided to uh don a cowboy hat and boots and move to dallas right (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) so real quick usually when i have people on for the first time i like to get a quick background so do you remember uh originally what you wanted to be when you grew up yeah when i was um when i oh sorry the dog's off um yeah i wanted it when i was about 14 I wanted to be a vet, you know, an animal doctor. Oh yeah, that was that was that was my big thing. But at the time, you needed Latin for some reason. Oh, wow. I guess maybe because of maybe because of some of the medicines or something. I don't know. And I mean, I was absolutely useless at Latin. I didn't see the point of learning some stupid language, you know. <laughs> so you know, I didn't apply myself. I was a bit like that. And then when I was um, then when I was 16, I think it was, or 17, we had like a sort of cadet force thing at my school, right? And, um, I mean, we had a, you know, we had an armory at school. I think this was sort of maybe over from, from the war or whatever, maybe tra- training youngsters to be ready for something, I don't know. But, um, and then, uh, so I was, in the, I was in the naval section and I went down to... Um, a fleet air arm land base you know the naval 
our naval air service sort of thing went down to a land base sat in a jet fighter and i thought oh yeah this is this is me you know yeah. so i actually applied to join the fleet air arm but of course they needed top marks in my worst two subjects which was math and physics they didn't need so, latin though right <laughs> no they didn't need damn latin you know i think that would have been easier actually but you know oh, it was it was those other two and i was like forget it bye <laughs> well that, that's that's interesting yeah i ended up uh serving in the navy on an aircraft carrier working on on f-14s and stuff when i right. when i got out of high school so uh but that's cool that that was part of your curriculum when uh you were going to school back then you know oh yeah yeah oh yeah you had to do sort of three years in in this cadet force we had to, every monday was like parade you know you had to like all your gear had to be clean ironed and you know everything all the whites you know all the white gaiters and belts had to be and the brass poly oh everything you know had to oh be perfect. yeah <laughs> nice and then what was it that, that like uh music ended up uh you know catching your ear and uh something that you decided to pursue um it was just actually funny it was i mean i started playing drums when i was about seven or eight and then um and then i sort of i found when i was listening to a lot of records at the time you know i was listening to the bass so i sort of um broke my heart i had to sell my train set and put a bass guitar <laughs> <laughs> And then, um, <clears throat> so I did that. And then when I was at school, um, we had like a sort of a, a block of music rooms and someone had left a drum kit in there. And I, and I got on, I used to go and that sneak in there and play on their kit. And I thought, no, this is it. So we had a school band, you know, the usual thing. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, we used to go around playing, you know, youth clubs and uh, the usual stuff, you know. So I was always playing. You oh, know? nice. And, Who were um, some of your early influences back then? Oh, God. I mean, considering I started so early, I mean, I was listening to sort of Keith Moon. I mean, everyone that was around at the time, I guess. You know, the first one, as, a, as I said, when I started when I was about seven or eight, was um, Tony Meehan and, and Brian Bennett. These guys were like in this, you know, basically the, the English version of The Ventures. You know, and uh, so those guys, and then I was listening to people that were playing on records and stuff, Clem Cattini, and who were the big session guys at the time, just got into that and it just went on. And then um, I'm trying to think, then, then of course, I sort of got into Cream and Hendrix. So that oh. kind of, you know, and, um, you know, Mitch Mitchell was like, I used to love listening to Mitch Mitchell and and ginger but i always wondered how how mitch mitchell would fit how he would sound with cream because <clears throat> <laughs> i then, just um, loved it i just loved his sound you know yeah and, and then, then later um, yeah sorry oh no go ahead no and then and then <clears throat> later on um you know and then i got out i think the first band i went absolutely mad on was grand funk oh, you know, the yeah. original the original three piece you know, right. and uh, that, that that was the that was the sort of that was the first gig I ever went to, which was uh, oh god, when was that seventy one? I think in free gig in Hyde Park in London. Oh, nice. Yeah, and supporting them was uh, Humble Pie. And, oh wow. Um, yeah, Peter Frampton was still the lead guitarist then, and that was I mean it was after that gig they brought out the live at Rock in the Fillmore, you know. 
yeah. And then uh, so you said great. that. Uh, sorry, go on. Uh, you said that you played like in some of the youth youth uh, groups with some of your classmates and stuff. When was it? Uh, you know, you got inspired and went to those shows. When was it where you guys started getting in, like, kind of playing more serious and forming uh, um, a <clears throat> Well, no, I mean, at school, I mean, we were, you know, obviously we were just sort of doing covers. I mean, we were playing like um, Jethro Tull stuff, you know, and, and Cream and just all. And, um, <clears throat> and then later, after after I left school, then I was still in sort of local bands, and we started writing our own stuff. But it was like, you know, then, of course, you know, by that time, I mean, bands like, um, although backtracking a bit, but I mean, bands like um, King Crimson were happening. You know, we were really getting into bands like King Crimson. I mean, I always remember sort of listening to Lark's Tongues in Aspect, you know, and that first bashing when it piles in, you know. And um, so we, we just started listening to that stuff, you know, and um, just playing in pubs and whatever. And then, funnily enough, a band I was in, um, we used to play quite regularly, and um, we would we decided to split up though. And, and we we were in this pub, and this guy came over to me, and he said, um, "Are you Nigel Glockner?" I went, "Yeah," and he said, "There's a guy at the bar wants to speak to you." <clears throat> so I went over there, and that was my first. I ended up turning pro because that was my first pro band, which was a band called Krakatoa, which was based in my hometown, Brighton in england and uh so went on the road with them oh, nice. and, and that's how it started we end up actually having uh, hans zimmer as our keyboard player you know the guy that does all the movie soundtracks <laughs> oh wow that's incredible nice. <laughs> yeah so we did that and then um and i mean the guitarist is still one of my best friends and i still write with him today roger roger adams and um and then from there we sort of that was sort of during during the sort of um, the new wave thing exploded. We were we were places actually. We were a bit like Kansas, <laughs> writing long long pieces and stuff. Um, but but there was also a lot of funk in there. But uh, you know the new wave thing hit. We couldn't get a record deal, so in the end we just even though we were actually we were selling out sort of town hall gigs. Oh, we didn't wow. have a record deal didn't have a record couldn't get a record deal couldn't get arrested so yeah, we split yeah. up in the end you know and um and i started doing sessions and then from there i went into toya and then from toya i went to saxon because funnily enough the bass there in krakatoa was managing saxon <laughs> oh that's what i was going to ask you like how that, that so, came um, together for you with saxon it's a uh, it was like I got rung up on managing the managers rang me up and said, What are you doing? I said, You know what I'm doing, <clears throat> which was in this band Toya, who were really big at them. And um he said, Yeah, but what are you doing now? And I actually said, Well, I'm just about to have Sunday lunch with my parents, actually. He said, Well, Saxon have got a tour starting on Wednesday. This is Sunday. And uh, Pete Gill's injured his hand, and uh, would you come up and stand in? 
So I said, yeah, I'm going to eat my dinner first. And then I drove up to London, went up to the north, north of London where they were rehearsing. We had a blast and, and the rest is history. <clears throat> but the stupid thing was I bought tickets to go and see that first gig, which was in my hometown. Because <laughs> I was a Saxon fan. Yeah, nice. And then uh, you got to, uh, you know, you, you end up getting to play with them. You have a nice long uh, relationship with them. But I had read also that uh, there was a point in your career that you had you had to you were kind of forced to retire due to neck injuries. Uh, oh, that was uh, um, I've sort of I think that was one. I'm trying to think when that was ninety seven. I think it was. Yeah, I ripped a muscle between my neck and my shoulder. So the doctor um, said, you know, I've got to stop playing for about three, four months to let it oh. heal. <clears throat> so that's how oh. that came about. And then, and then what happened was um, they, had, they, they had one drummer for a while and then they got this um, German drummer in, Fritz Randau. And, um, I mean, I was still writing with Saxon, right? I mean, I was still, you know, going up there. And when they were rehearsing for an album or whatever, but I just wasn't doing the touring. But, you know, they kept saying, oh, come back, come back. But I didn't think it was fair to oust Fritz because he just settled into the drum store and I didn't think that was fair. So I just kept on doing sessions and stuff, you know. But, um, but then, you know, after like rehabbing and everything, you were back to back to yeah, playing like... It, yeah, I kind of equate it to like, you know, Saxon's like a little spider, you know, like a spider's web and they sort of pull you in, you know. So eventually I got pulled back into the into the web. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like they say the mob or whatever, right? You know, you think you're out. <laughs> yeah. Pull you back in. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. And And during your time with them too, you got to play some of the, you know, some of the biggest festivals over there as well, like uh, yeah. the Monsters of Rock, which is like infamous. What was that experience like for you? Oh, that, I mean, the first, the, I mean, they played the first one, I think, the Donington one, it was um, 80, I think it was. And then we got asked to play the second one, which was in 82. And um, it was chaos. Cause I mean, we'd been, we'd been, we were touring at that time. We were on the road over here with um, Rainbow. So we played in Dallas, um, got a flight the next morning back to England, back to Gatwick, I think it was, um, then got a private plane up to Donington, played there the next day, and then we flew back to New York and headlined the Palladium, and then flew back to the UK again. <laughs> it was like, it was mad. <laughs> it was absolutely mad. You know, it's like uh, I didn't have a chance to get jet lagged. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was it was a, a time zones. Yeah, exactly. That, I mean, that was a great gig. But I mean, you know, the other one we we love playing is Vacken, which is the big heavy rock festival. You know, near Hamburg, and that's like um, seventy five thousand people there. That's like mega. You know, I actually oh, yeah. find I actually find personally. Um, you know, people go, oh, my God, 75,000 people. How do you feel? I mean, I just find it an incredible buzz. I actually get more nervous 
about playing in a pub if I'm jamming with some friends because people are right in front of your face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> and then usually I've been to a lot of those, but I mean, nothing is as big as that festival, but I've been to some of the festivals here in the States and, you know, I'm, I'm 14 years sober now, but you know, I remember the days where you'd spend all that money to be at those festivals and then you don't remember half of it, you know? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, but, but like you said, if you're in the small intimate settings, you know, more people are likely to see, you know? Oh yeah. And then, you know, they've got microscopes on you. It's like, Oh my God. You know, and there's, there's someone like six foot away or 10 feet away from you. It's like, Oh my God. You know. Yeah, and the sad thing is now they all got their phones out, so everything's being recorded. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something happens that's on there forever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I could see why that would make you more nervous these days. Um, <laughs> and then there's like there's just like so much, you know, uh, I was reading about the metal history that Saxon has been a part of over there in Europe and in the States. And it's like we could basically do like a, a, a mini series of uh, podcast interviews to go over all those. But I know we, we don't have that time today. And and uh, I, I uh, want to make hey, sure that I, I mean, you know, any any time you want, just let me know and I'll come on. No problem. Oh, yeah. I would love to ha have you back on yeah. for sure. Yeah, um, it'd be great. But uh, I, I know, know if I don't talk about the current uh release that just came out you know yeah. i'll be i'll be in trouble and i might not be able to get you back so <laughs> i got i want to talk a little bit about hellfire and damnation yeah. you know at first when i when i when i was reading the album title i was like oh it sounds like uh you know uh saxon's putting out a gospel record or something i don't know <laughs> <laughs> more a death metal one or something yeah <laughs> yeah 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 but uh what was the inspiration for for uh, that name, for the title? Well, I mean, it's you know, I mean, it's a sort of thing that's been going on. You know, it's like the battle between good and evil. You know, it's been yeah. raging in people's heads and in you know forever. You know, and um, no, it was just something Biff came up with. But when, whenever we sort of write songs and everything, or get you know demos together. Um, something might inspire Biff, give him a certain lean towards a certain subject matter or something because of how the riff is or, or he, or he might have, or it might be the other way around. He's got an idea for that. So we might write something to title he's got, you know, so yeah. there's no set thing. We just, we just get together and demos get piled in ideas, get piled in and we work on them and that's what comes out, you know? Well, as I was listening to it, uh, you know, I mean, once again, it's like, you know, I mean, classic Saxon, but I love, uh, like, uh, you know, how you were saying when, when Biff kind of gets onto a, a subject matter he likes to, to tackle, um, I really enjoyed uh, There's Something in Roswell. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because it seems like that's the, you know, been a, that's been a topic of discussion for years. You sure. know, that everybody wanted to, uh, you know, just, oh, there's nothing going on. It's just weather balloons or whatever. Now we're in a time period where where it's like, yeah, there, there's stuff out there. And, and it seems yeah. like the population is kind of just like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, there's a there's a thing down. I can't remember the name. It always annoys me. I can't remember. There's a somewhere in Texas where there are these lights. And okay. It's, I can't remember what they're called. Um, I remember there was some in Arizona too. The Phoenix lights. There was like a documentary on them, but uh, yeah, I think I, I think what? this I think this one's in Texas. I may be wrong. I'm not sure, but there's certainly these sort of lights are meant to be hovering in the sky, and you know, it's like I'd like to go and see it. You'll have to you have to Google it. I can't remember what it's called, but um, yeah. Hey, you know, but yeah, I find it funny that suddenly, yeah, suddenly all these sort of camera footage from you know navy jets and stuff suddenly got these things like whizzing all over the place. Whereas a few years ago, oh no, 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 you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing to see here. I mean, just how jaded have we become? As uh, I know, I mean, it's all, it's it's almost like you know the Area Fifty One. Is there a spaceship in there or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But what what I find is, you know, like I mean, you've had all these. I, I don't know. I I'm I'm a big like conspiracy buff guy myself. I've I've gone down many rabbit holes. You know, right. some of my some of my other shows. You know, we talk uh, tackle some of those topics. You know, and I yeah. grew up X Files fan stuff like that. You know, and sure. uh, the uh, the UFO thing's always been very intriguing, but like, and there's so many dedicated people, you know, that have these conventions and swear by it. And, but now that they're, they're finally like disclosures finally coming out, it seems yeah. like the general population is just like, you know, we're, we're so desensitized the past several years after, you know, it seems like after 2020 and everything, sure. you yeah. know, everybody's got so much other things to, focus on but I, I i i like that biff's bringing it back in in in, <laughs> in his writing yeah know? i mean you know who's the why should we be the only beings in 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 the universe you know oh yeah exactly you know? and then you see all this stuff with the um you know was it the mayans and stuff there but i think it's the mayans you know with their big you know from space you can see they've done a big carving of an eagle somewhere or something that looks like a spaceship or something so there's obviously something going on oh yeah yeah and like but, you know for that history we got i got wright patterson air force base here in ohio that i've been down to where supposedly they have a uh you know a ufo one of their top secret hangars or whatever you know right but uh well, and, no and one's ever got, gone in it yet <laughs> no and and as you mentioned you know with the with the like you know the the carvings and the mayans and stuff like that i mean there's just you know uh there's way too much stuff that's been like documented that they, is kind of like you can't explain you yeah. know that yeah. now is like you know it, it, it just i don't know the truth is out there as as uh molder or whatever he used to say all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> And, and then, uh, you know, I see you guys are, are hitting the road with uh, um, Uriah Heep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that because there's a Cleveland stop. So I'll definitely be coming out to see you guys. Uh, oh, uh, it's, cool. Uh, May, Brilliant. May 11th, you'll be playing the, the Temple Live uh, venue here in Cleveland. And it's an amazing venue. Let me tell you, talk about conspiracies and everything. It's, a, it's a May, the Cleveland Masonic Auditorium. So that's a whole nother rabbit hole, but there's a lot oh, of yeah, history. Oh, yeah, that's another that. rabbit hole, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but there's a <laughs> lot of uh, history in that building and the, the sound and what they've done with the upgrades and everything. 
I think you're going to enjoy uh, playing there very much. And I'm definitely going to enjoy seeing you guys when you come to town. No, brilliant. Excellent. Now, you'll have to, um, you have to email me, get an email off um, Serena. Okay. You know, silver lining, email me and, and mail me, you know, sort of nearer the date and maybe we can meet up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, definitely. But and yeah, then, we're, um, really look, we're really looking forward to that tour. Should be great. Yeah, and I see there's a, I, I, I forget, was it a, a festival that you're going to be playing with them and Judas Priest before before the tour, or is that oh, during we, the um, tour? We're actually, well, I head over to the UK at the beginning of March. We're actually doing an arena tour with Priest, doing okay. a whole tour of the UK and, and some gigs in Europe. And... Um, and heap a heap of the opening the opening act on that and then then we come over here with heap and then i go back to to europe again for its festival season and i think we're doing some more shows with um judas priest i think in july i think june or july oh nice yeah. and then um you uh you know the the new albums you know just just came out you guys are going to be playing a lot of tracks off of that live for the audience uh, on the tour and support. Um, is there one in particular you're looking forward to uh, playing the most? Um, yeah, I, I mean, the track I love is uh, Madame Guillotine. No, oh, nice. A, I love that because, I, I, you know, no, it's great. I love that track, you know. But no, any of them. Any, you know, we've still got to sort out a set list. I mean, the thing is with the with tour over here, it's going to be, you know, it's a co-headline tour with Heap. So obviously some places where they're more popular, they'll close. Other places where we're more popular, we'll close. Um, but both bands are going to have the same amount of playing time. So, uh, and as far as I know, there's no, no opening band. So it's like an evening with Heap and Saxon. So, yeah, I mean, we're all... So yeah, there you the new album in there. Nice. Well, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be cognizant of your time, but uh, well, I would definitely love to set something up where I could get you back on another time down the line. Um, but, yeah, definitely. Uh, and definitely Just ask Serena anytime. Up with you. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, and definitely just look, have a word with Cleveland. Yeah, have a word with Serena anytime. I'll come on anytime. I enjoy it. Awesome. Great. Sounds good. Sounds good. We, yeah, there's maybe so we much can go, maybe, we, maybe we can go down some rabbit holes. <laughs> yeah. I'm always I'm always down for that. Are you are you familiar with G. Edward Griffin? No. No. no? He's uh yeah. he's uh uh wrote the book the the um Jekyll Island about uh Jekyll Island the creature from Jekyll Island about the Federal Reserve and the banking systems and stuff and he oh, also right. did this infamous uh interview with a KGB defector that uh you know predicted how you would infiltrate a country and destroy it from within and stuff I've had him on the podcast so those are yeah those are the type of rabbit holes I enjoy going down <laughs> oh, that's a deep one that one oh god yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but uh but yeah um nigel i appreciate your time if if you got a couple minutes i'd like to ask you a couple questions i normally ask really quick 
Okay. Um, three people who've inspired you and you can credit for making you the person you are today. Oh, God. Um, inspired me. Well, I guess my mother and father for a start, you know, um, as a per and my brother, you know, my family, I guess, you know, as a person. Yeah. 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 And then uh, are there any causes or organizations that you support and encourage others to check out? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a big sort of, uh, I love all, you know, animal sanctuaries and stuff like that. Um, Gina, my wife, she works for this company that does uh, beauty products, but they're on the side, their main thing, they have an animal sanctuary there and they've got donkeys and horses and goats and sheep and stuff. And, and uh, yeah, um, you know, I've got a, couple of favorite donkeys down there heart i think it's uh, what's his name teddy who's a a recent uh, thing so me and teddy get on great but no <laughs> uh, anything like that anything like that I, I just hate people that abuse animals you know yeah i'm with you on that and then um for uh the audience members that are watching and want to pick up the the new album or uh follow uh saxon for uh you know uh tour dates and and uh releases and stuff where would you send them um we've got our website um saxon747.com all the tour dates are on there there's a load of stuff on there pictures i mean obviously there's facebook and stuff so any of our social media you'll you'll find stuff out and um yeah just get that album <laughs> yeah. awesome. and we're really so and we're really looking forward to playing over here it'd be great yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it, and I will definitely be hitting uh, up uh, uh, Serena and stuff to, to connect with you when you when you come over this way. Yeah, that'd be great. But as I say, anytime you want me on, just shoot me an email or Serena and boom, we'll do it. Awesome. Sounds good, Nigel. Can I ask you one last favor before I let you go? Okay. You mind cutting a promo ID for the show? Just introduce yourself, and you're listening to today's boondoggle. You ready? Yeah. Hi, this is Nigel from Saxon, and you are listening to today's boondoggle. It's a wow. <laughs> awesome. Nigel, thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking with you, and I look forward to doing more of this in the future. Brilliant. All right, Bill. You too, man. Take care. Yeah, bye. Bye.